0: There's a force out there that attracts us to certain things. But what happens when we can't get what we're attracted to? When we have an urge to fix things in our lives and grab what we want? Whether that's chasing after the school or job we desire, trying to save the relationships that are falling apart, not being able to have the life we've wanted for so long. All of this makes us ask ourselves, why does this happen to me? And what more can I do to change the things that are wrong in my life? Korean Thomas here, and welcome to another Epidose of Serotonin. My guest today has spent years as a pastor leading an organization called Church on Grounds.
1: Uh, you know, Sunday mornings at eleven a.m. is our kind of main connection point in Earn Commons at, on the UVA grounds, uh, where we have our regular worship service, where you know, we sing a few songs, and then I give a message, uh, and then we have a discussion groups after that, followed by a free meal for anyone who wants to stay, and so doing things like sharing meals together, I think are a really important part to building community. And so the Sunday morning is definitely the core of what we do. We call him Pastor Michael Lusk. He and his wife are both
0: graduates of the University of Virginia, and they both lead conversations every Sunday with a handful of members from the university and Charlottesville community. We begin the show looking at Pastor Michael's experiences as a student at UVA and later as a pastor. We then learn more about worldviews, the usefulness of believing in something, and how faith can be a productive means of receiving the things we so deeply desire in our lives. Without further ado, here's Pastor Michael. All right, hi, Pastor Michael. It's really great having you on the show. Um, so, so you're you're a pastor for Church on Grounds. Uh, do you mind telling me a little bit more about Church on Grounds, a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm the pastor of Church on Grounds. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home and yeah, you know, went to church and things growing up. But it was in college uh, that my faith became very real to me and, and very important. And so, when I graduated, I decided to go into ministry. Um, especially uh, reaching out to college students and helping them kind of navigate through the big questions uh, that we all have about life and about God. And so I worked uh, for a church as a campus pastor uh, for a time, basically like a youth pastor, but for college students. And then a few years ago, the church I was working for, decided to restructure and become a multi-site church and wanted to plant one of their sites at UVA. And so to make a long story short, I became the pastor of that worship site, which we call uh, Church on Grounds. And it's geared towards reaching out to uh, university students, but also faculty members. Uh, so yeah, it just uh, revolves around the UVA community. I go to Church on Grounds too, every, uh,
0: try to go every Sunday. And it's really great uh, seeing the community. And it's a very intimate setting. And I think... Uh, we have the opportunity to really get close to you as a pastor, uh, especially since you've, you've been a student at UVA. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about, you know, uh, tell me a little bit more about like your, your worldview and how your, your experiences at UVA kind of like helped you understand uh, this whole aspect of faith and how that really
1: integrated into your life? Yeah, sure. So uh, like most students at UVA, I did well in high school. Um, I'm from a rural town, uh, Martinsville, Virginia. Uh, and I was a big fish in a little pond there, and I you know did well and came here. And all of a sudden, I wasn't doing uh, as well as I had done in high school. And so it really caused me to ask big questions of myself. Yeah, who am I? What's my purpose? Uh, am I worth anything if I can't make good grades? Because uh, I really found my identity those grades, and that's kind of what I the metric I use to determine whether I was good or not. And so I was struggling with those uh, first semester didn't do as well as I had done in high school. And so came back second semester uh, just deciding, all right, well, I'm just going to work hard. And I felt through my just efforts and my intelligence that, you know, eventually I'll, I'll be able to get back to the top like I was in high school. And uh, and, and I found that journey to just be uh, tormenting. <laughs> Uh, to say the least. So, you know, I, I was having trouble sleeping at night and just constantly stressed and uh, and and just was not feeling fulfilled. And to make a long story short, uh, uh, the church that I now pastor reached out to me. Um, I started going there and then started doing a Bible study with a couple of the men from there. and And I was kind of sharing with one of them how I was struggling and anxious and all these kinds of things. And he really started to bring up what you mentioned, like some worldview issues, Uh, you know, asking those big questions. Well, what makes you special? What's the purpose of your life? And and one passage in particular he took me to uh, was Matthew chapter six. Uh, It talks about how God is a father that cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And, uh, and if we seek him first, uh, that as a good father, he'll care for us. And, and so I started to rethink, uh, who it was. I was really trusting for ultimate control of my life where, you know, where I had felt like, well, I can control everything. I can do everything and basically be God. I found that, that, that path was just tormenting, uh, because I'm not big enough to be God. And when I finally started to realize, okay, there is a God in heaven uh, that does care for me. And if I put Him first in my life, then I can trust Him to take care of things. I knew I still had to be responsible and, and study and, and things like that, uh, but that God ultimately would would care for me. And, and when I made the decision to to really believe and trust in that, it brought a, a lot of peace into my life. and actually then enabled me to do a lot a lot better in my school work, but also just, there was so much more peace. I could, I could think clearly. And when I was on a test, instead of freaking out while I took the test, you know, just being able to focus, okay, what is this asking? And then being able to remember what I had studied. Uh, and so, you know, the peace I received there, uh, from kind of having that change in mindset, change in worldview, uh, just helped me to decide, oh, I'm going to pursue, uh, the Christian faith much more seriously and, yeah, and see what all these things mean for my life.
0: That, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, uh, You mentioned kind of like you felt that that burden was kind of like lifted off of you, especially as like we're living in like a, a do it yourself kind of a kind of culture. It seems like, you know, you are personally responsible for the things that enter your life and the things that you produce in your life. Um, What were what were some if you had any experiences about like when you thought that you had everything in control, like what kind of. Kind of prove to you that maybe it's not really in your control. It's it's there really wasn't any way that you could have made a situation possible. It's sort of just out of whether you're a Christian or not, out of fate or out of something
1: out of a higher power. So then, like I said, you know, I had grown up in a Christian home, so I always had you know some part of a Christian worldview in, in my in my background. But as I began to think of it more seriously, I uh, began to you know, just put myself in perspective for one thing, and realizing I'm just a little blip in this. Gigantic universe, you know, and with billions of people here on Earth, uh, that I'm not nearly as as powerful as I as I think I am, and and at first that you know it can seem kind of demeaning, uh, but for me it was uh, very peace giving. I realized, okay, I'm 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 not in charge tons of things, and that's okay, and 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 just focus on you know I think I think a lot of times our culture, especially today. Is focused on being great like i want to pursue greatness and be excellent and i think it's good to have goals and and want to improve on yourself and things like that but i think what i learned it's more important to just try to be like a good person to be a moral person and i really found well if i if i follow god and i'm a moral person uh then i can find contentment and uh and i think that was a real key for me to learn to be content with with where i was in my life and to say hey i want to to get better But if I'm not, you know, a CEO or I'm, I don't make straight A's, that's fine. That's not what determines whether or not I have worth or not.
0: Right. Uh, And as you've, uh, as you've grown as a person, uh, you know, you said that you've learned that being a moral person is, uh, is a huge aspect in how you see the world, Uh, you know, kind of doing, doing the right things for the right reasons. Um, How has that actually shaped your life? What kinds of results has that brought into your life? And could you just explain a little bit more about finding worth?
1: you know, like that, like you said, kind of the worldview, and even going back to that Matthew 6 passage I referenced, you know, in another place in the scripture that always refers to God, you know, a lot of places refer to God as a father. And, and I really understood this when I became a father. Um, because when my first child was born, you know, that first day, he, he accomplished nothing that, that was a benefit to me, you know, he mostly just screamed and, he used the bathroom on himself and then you had to eat and all these kinds of things. Uh, but from that first day, like he had really infinite worth to me, I would do anything for him because his worth wasn't based in his accomplishments or what he did. It was based in the fact that he was my child and I loved him because of that. And so he had just that worth based in who he was. And, and so me being a father helped me especially understand God being a father understanding, okay, my, Worth doesn't come from my accomplishments, uh, but it comes from me being a child of God. And I can rest in that. So I don't have to do something like insanely incredible to have worth. I can just rest in the fact that I'm a child of God and and that as a child, I should want to mature. You know, if my, my son, my first son's now 12, if he was still doing the things that he was doing as a newborn at 12, then obviously I'd be concerned. I want him to mature. I want him to grow, right? Yeah, if he's still just screaming all the time. Yeah, that, w- that wouldn't be a good, healthy thing. So I want him to grow. I want him to mature. But my love for him isn't dependent on those things, and his worth isn't dependent on those things. And, and I found that to really be true of my life. Well, hey, I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to become more wise. I want to come, you know, as a pastor, I want to be able to develop my skills of of preaching or to care for people uh but ultimately those aren't the things that define me what defines me is that i'm I'm a child of god and i can rest in that and 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 you know once again once i when i have rest on the inside peace on the inside it makes things on the outside of me uh, go a lot more peacefully
0: right no i i totally understand that and i think uh i started to do that as well like within my own life uh being able to kind of delegate or not necessarily delegate, but kind of just taking all of your, your burdens and all of your, whatever's on your mind and just giving it to this external figure, um, really kind of just helped me clear my own mind and understand where the right things and the right people fit in, in my, uh, in the path of my life. You you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, finding your, uh, your wife and uh, you and your wife are really, really uh, essential members of the church. And uh, your story—I I think you told me about it before—but uh, it's really amazing and how that really kind of was also an act of putting your faith into a uh, to something else, or kind of just letting an external figure, an external force, really just help you find the person uh, that was really. Uh, important to you in your life. Could you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, I think it's such a cool story.
1: Yeah, yeah. We have a pretty unique, I don't know, maybe maybe even radical story. Uh, So I'm about uh, five and a half years older than my wife, and I met her uh, during her first year at UVA, and I was already uh, pastoring with the church. And so I met her through the church. Uh, And when I met her, I was attracted to her, but I could tell that she was kind of asking those big questions in the same way that I'd been asking the big questions my first year at UVA. And, and I've seen uh, sometimes when people are kind of asking those questions, if, if they start a romantic relationship, it kind of takes them away from uh, working on themselves and working through those big questions. And so I just felt a conviction in my heart that even though I was attracted to her, that, you know, for the, at the time I just needed to, to be a friend. And then once again, I, you know, this real sense of trusting that that God was ultimately in control, that I could I could trust Him, that if she was the one for me, that He would keep her for me. And so, uh, really, for the next uh, four years, uh, we were just friends. Uh, I, yeah, while she was working through school and she was doing a, a five year program here through the Curry School, and uh, but as she was getting ready to enter her last year at UVA, I felt okay. Well. You yeah, now it's maybe a, a time where she's clearly matured and more ready. Um, but I know like when the romantic relationships, you know, you can have blinders on and not see red flags. And and so I had talked to the, my pastor and asked, hey, I, well, I just said, you know, like, I, I think God wants me to marry Katie. Uh, does that sound crazy? Do you have any, are there any red flags you see? And I hadn't said anything about this to her or even anything romantic to her. And then the week after I said that to him, she went to the pastor's wife and said the same thing about me that, hey, I think God wants me to marry Michael. And uh, is there any red flags? And, uh, and so the pastor, Pastor Mark, he came and kind of told me, hey, well, she's actually come to my wife also. And, and we don't see any red flags. So I think, you know, I think this is what God wants to happen. And, and so, uh, so I was obviously excited to hear that. And so I was trying to think of how I was going to reveal that I even had feelings for her, much less, you know, that I wanted to marry her. And so we were at a, a wedding of some mutual friends. And afterwards I asked her, Hey, can we go somewhere and talk? And so she said she had to go drop some things off first, but then she'd meet me uh, at you know UVA and then we'd go to a park. And so I, I got, I got to the place we we're meeting first and uh, I was, you know, kind of anxiously waiting for her and, and I had this whole plan to kind of slowly reveal everything, but, you know, just emotions were running high. And so when she steps out of the car, I just say, I, I love you and I want to marry you. And I had never said anything romantic to her before. And she just says, me too. And uh, so then, yeah. That could have ended in both ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. So thankfully she, and obviously, like I said, I, I had known that she had talked to the pastor's wife. So, yeah, I felt pretty good about it. But yeah, you still don't know, you know. Is there going to be a last minute change of heart or change of mind? And, and so then we went and talked to each other and 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 talked about how we felt each other. And yeah, within the next year, then we uh, were married. And you really
0: you really didn't have to focus on whether or not she was going to say yes or no or try to convince her or do anything. You just really had to focus on what you were feeling and what you were thinking at the time and really emphasizing that point. And the rest is up to, you know her or whoever it might be to influence her decision.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't manipulate her. I can't manipulate anyone. Right. And uh, so that's goes back to where I was, you know, when I was a single guy, I was really just focused on becoming a, a good man and really believing that, hey, if I'm a good man, then that's going to attract a good woman uh, to me, uh, which obviously it did. I, you know, it's really important for me to marry someone who shared my values. But I think Christians in particular can, kind of go to the other extreme sometimes and think that I shouldn't care of my, take care of myself at all, that it should all be focused on others. But the reality I think is that if I do focus on myself, you know, that that will help me better love others and care for others. And, you know, one of the, one of the great commandments Jesus tells us is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if I don't love myself very well, that, that means I'm not going to love my neighbor very well. And so I have to love myself, uh, And then as I'm secure, for instance, if I I feel secure in who I am, then I'm not going to be threatened by others. I'm not going to envy others. And so I'm going to be more free uh, to love them better. And so I've seen that happen in my life. Right. There's two extremes. One, there's there's one extreme where you
0: can be too self-obsessed. And there's another extreme where you're too selfless and you're not caring about yourself and you're kind of being... um, you're kind of blindly following just this giving and being being charitable without really any intention of what's actually going on. Um, how do you? What do you say? I mean, you probably touched on this before, but uh, what's like kind of the process of distinguishing? You know, like sometimes is it too naive to just say that you know it's it's up to God? Is it too optimistic to say that there's someone else that's going to be taking care of this? Like I can't, I don't have any control over this.
1: Yeah, that's a. I mean, a challenging question. There's, you know, it takes a lot of discernment and obviously. Any of these things we're never going to do perfectly. We'll go from one side of the balance to the other. Uh, But I think some things are important to me is to ask myself, once again, are the moral principles there? So like when it comes to my, am I being, you know, so God calls me to be diligent, for instance, and to to work hard. Uh, So am I I being, if I look at myself and I'm, oh, I'm just being slothful or lazy, then I realize at that point that I'm, oh, I'm just, quote unquote, trusting God too much. That I'm not actually being a responsible person. I'm actually not following God even in that moment. Uh, now the other extreme yeah, is if I'm a, a workaholic and 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 so once again I kind of think that I'm in control of my own destiny fully. And I think some ways that I can that I've been able to tell when I've kind of gravitated onto that workaholic extreme is when you know s- certain things in my life that are important, aren't getting the attention they needed. And, and so, you know, now that would be things like, oh, i not spending time with my wife or my children. I'm not spending time with God. Or also that if I'm just, you know, feeling really anxious about things, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm feeling anxious, uh, I think that's also a sign uh, that I'm not trusting in God fully to, to take care of things. Uh, so I focus on, yeah, being a hard worker, being diligent, and then – yeah, you know, the results are up to God. And that doesn't always mean that even everything will go the way that I hope it will go. Uh, the, the Bible says that God works together all things to the good for those who love him. But as a father, you know, he knows what's good for me, even when I don't always do that. And so th- one of the ways I always think about this, you know, last week was Halloween. So my kids went trick-or-treating. And of course, the good thing for them is to, oh, let's eat all the candy right now. Uh, but as a father, I say no to that. No, you can't eat it all. You can have, you can have some and to them that might seem, Oh, that's no good. But I have a higher perspective. And so I, so also just trusting, okay, God knows what's good for me, even though I don't. And so I can, I can have goals, but if I don't hit those goals, if I'm working hard, I can just say, okay, well, God knows something else is, is better for me. Uh, and I just have to, tr- I have to trust that.
0: Right. Right. And you know, you're bringing up trust and that's that itself is a huge, huge aspect in life that's like very hard to grapple around, especially, I mean, uh, we, we both talked about having like, you know, having anxious thoughts or having anxieties in our lives. And when, when you're having anxiety, especially, it's, it's hard to feel like you can actually trust that the process will work out or trust that everything will work out in the end. Whether or not you believe in Christianity or something else or whatever it is, just going back to the whole concept of faith and how that can help us. And especially as, you know, we're living in a place in in a time and age where, you know, productivity is measured uh, on, on a lot of our, a lot of our platforms. Why do you think uh, having faith in something or believing in something is a productive thing to do?
1: Sure. Well, I think uh, a number of things, first of all, I think having faith for me uh, gives me a lot of purpose. You know, like if, if there, you know, if there isn't a God or anything like that, then all that means is that I'm just random carbon atoms, uh, that have just kind of been brought together over time. And, uh, to me, uh, that's what's led to a lot of nihilism in our culture and just feel like, you know, things are meaningless. There's no purpose. Why even do anything? Uh, but I, you know, having faith means that I believe hey, there's a God that exists, uh, that, that does love me, that's cared for me. Uh, but I have a responsibility because of that. And, and so I want to show my gratitude toward what God has done for me, both in creating me and as a Christian, of course, I believe that Christ uh, came into the world to die on the cross and resurrect from my, so I to be free of my sins. And so I want to express gratitude uh, for that by being a productive person, whether that's being productive in my career or being productive as a friend, or as a father and a husband. Uh, I, I have that sense of purpose that comes from having a creator. Sometimes I don't have,
0: I, I, when I'm just in the flow of things, I'm in the zone, I sometimes don't recognize that sometimes not doing anything at all, or not necessarily not doing anything at all, but allowing someone else to do the work for me, whoever it might be, whether, whether it's fate, whether it's destiny, whether it's, you know, whether it's God, Allowing someone else to take on that mental burden um, can do so much for you. And delegating is is a productive measure of, of work and of getting through life.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's all kinds of benefits. You know, like I mean, obviously, I believe that you're connecting into God when you're praying and you know, that he's working through that. But you know, beyond even kind of the supernatural aspect of it, you know, just it, it's going to help you put things in perspective. Uh, because part of prayer, I think, does involve again what I mentioned about Thanksgiving, and you just realize, oh, okay, yeah, things are, are okay. Uh, I and 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 j- just helps with 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 Thanksgiving and contentment. I, I, I mentioned that a minute ago, but that's been a huge part for me, you know, being able to say, okay, I, I'm I'm working hard. Um, I'm loving people and I can be content with that uh, because if you're not, yeah, you know, once again, we should set goals and want to improve, but you know, there's always you know, more money I could be making, always a higher uh, position in a company I could have. And if I can't be content with where I am, then I'm going to be tormented. And so prayer is a big part of helping to build uh, contentment for me. And then finally, I mean, there's lots of things. Uh, this is the final thing I'll say uh, is going back to uh, uh, love uh, because a lot of my, my unhealthy drivenness is really an attempt, to, I think, to earn love. Like, I want to do these incredible things because then everybody will look at me and be like, oh, wow, Michael's awesome. And then I'll feel good about myself. But when I have people around me that love me like God does, not because of my accomplishments, uh, but because of who I am, that I'm just their, their brother in Christ, uh, then it frees me from having to try to prove myself and, and earn love. While it feels like we can lift the weight of our troubles
0: all on our own and change the course of events, we need to remember that we're all individual actors that are affected by time and space. So don't be afraid to delegate the weight of your burden to a higher force, regardless of who or what you think is in control. Also, as we're here in the month of November, it's important to practice the discipline of thanksgiving and gratitude. It can be helpful remembering the things in our past that we've been anxious about as we think about our past, Let it help us to look forward and hope to the future. Thank you guys so much for listening. That wraps up another Epidose of Saratunin. Once again, my guest today was Pastor Michael Lusk. If you like the show, you can find our podcast online at teach.fm, Spotify, or even iTunes. And please be sure to rate it and leave a comment to tell us what you enjoyed or how we should improve. It helps out a lot. And if you've already done that, thank you please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think will get something out of it. Our show was made with the help of our writer, Rachel Park, and our sound editor, Philip Song. Music was produced by myself. Until next time, this is Korean Thomas reminding you that yes, by defining your values and working towards becoming a better person who serves yourself and others, you can start to attract what you want in your life.